The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you I am a boat Good day, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so, SonsOfLibertyRadio.com, and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Excuse me. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, by the way, Missouri. Liberty Radio as well. And you want to watch the video portion of the radio show. That's right. You can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And there you'll see two videos at the top of the page. The one on the left side is Bradley's show from yesterday. So if you missed that, you'd like to see that, you can do so up until 3 p.m. Eastern, at which time he will be live in that little area right there. On the right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button. Excuse me. Hang on. It's got a little stuff in my throat. And and again, (laughs) this hadn't happened in an hour or more that I've been up. Uh, It just happens right when the radio starts. So on the the right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button, blow it up whatever device you've got. Look for the rumble icon, bottom right-hand corner. Click on that and join us in the chat. We've got a lot of friends over there. Good morning to you guys in the rumble chat. Good to see you. And uh, by the way, we are streaming live also to rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. That's the channel if you want to join us over there. And also on beforeitsnews.com, top of the page. And we appreciate Michael and his team over there giving us a spot both in the morning show and the afternoon show uh, to their audience over at beforeitsnews.com. Thank you so much. Right up under where we're uh, streaming live on sonsoflibertymedia.com, you can sign up for our email newsletter. Goes out once a day between seven and eight Eastern. Also, if you want our and that gives you all the articles plus the morning show archive. So again, anybody who asks about the archive, I'm sorry, there's not like a button that says archive for morning show. Doesn't do that. Um, if you want that, <clears throat> you have to go to my settingbrushfires.com. You can sign up for that or whatever. I don't promote that because I'm here on behalf of Sons of Liberty. But that's if you just want my my stuff. That's that's where you can find it. All those are archived over there. Okay, settingbrushfires.com. But the uh, the the email will give you all of the articles we put out each day, plus the morning show archive. So you'll get a video, a podcast. You get the articles from 
all those are linked in as well. Sometimes you'll get some bonus videos too. I find things, people uh, load up our Telegram channel with, with videos and I find them other places that I think are interesting. I may not agree with everything on it. Okay. Just a, I don't know, a little caution there. You be discerning about it, but sometimes I'll put things out that I think are interesting or, or I think are worthy of a discussion or a correction or whatever. But uh, sometimes I put things out that I'm putting into articles. So I have them archived on my channel. So if somebody else gets knocked off on YouTube, then I have it on Rumble on my little, you know, sideshow, <laughs> if you want to call that a uh, deal. And that goes into the, um, into the morning archive. So be aware of that, that that's what's going on. And of course, if you guys want to help support us and keep us out there doing what we're doing, there's a donate button at the top of the page, sonsoflibertymedia.com. You can click on that and make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of Liberty. And that one is also on the top of the page. And uh, we do appreciate your support very much. Okay. So <clears throat> yesterday we dealt with the issue of supposed American Christians and American politicians, especially one guy, Ted Cruz, who claims that he is a Christian, that he believes the Bible and, you know, Jesus and all this other stuff. And yet uh, he and Biden were on the same team. And I'm sure Donald Trump is on this team, too. I'm, I'm positive because when Donald Trump was in office, he tried to actually decriminalize sodomy throughout the world. He's not the president of the world. He's the president of the United States. Uh, but he tried to do that, right? And we showed you the clips. We showed you the tweets. We read you the, the words of the guys uh, in what they all said. This is what you're dealing with. You're dealing with people who have not known the Lord, and, they, and some of them have just become apostate. It's not that they didn't know the truth. The truth was right in front of them all the time. But they become apostate. They're still claiming the name of Christ. They're taking God's name in vain. This is the violation of the third commandment. And by the way, rest assured, God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, he'll reap. And God says in that commandment, if you take my name in vain, he's not going to hold you guiltless. He's not going to hold you guiltless. And these guys took and went after the Ugandan president because he signed into law an anti-LGBTQRSTVWXYZ stuff. Uh, law, in which it continues the tradition of Uganda in giving the judgments that are God's, okay, the law and the statutes and the judgments, as we talked about yesterday, they went and blasted him over that, siding with the UN over, quote-unquote, human rights. Listen, it is no more right for a man to bugger another man than it is for you to worship false gods. You don't have a right to worship false gods, no more than you do to engage a member of the same sex in some kind of sexual activity. Okay, You, you just don't have it. And yet this month <clears throat> has been declared Pride Month. Now, I want you to just think about that just for a second. And this is why I, 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 I caution Christians don't ever say, I'm proud about fill in the blank. Stop it. Repent of using that language. Well, but Tim, I really am proud of my kid. Then you need to change that around where you give glory to God. I'm thankful to God for my child who does whatever. 
Turn it around. Start renewing your mind and conditioning your mind to give glory to God instead of to yourself. I'm proud of my child, says, look at me and what I did to make my child my child. Do you understand? Uh, that's a general rebuke. I've had to have it myself. Nobody told me except the Spirit of God convicted me about my words. We're to do all for the glory of God. And so these people want a pride month. Pride about what? Again, that they're violating the very laws of nature and the laws of God. What are you talking about with the laws of nature? What's evident to everybody? It is evident. What does Paul say in Romans 1? We read this yesterday. I probably should read it again today, but I'm not. that's not going to be part of what we talk about. Well, at least not right now. It's not going to be part of what we talk about. But Romans 1, Paul writes under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he says they do what's unnatural. How is he getting that? Now, Paul knows the scriptures, especially the ones we're going to look at. In fact, we're mainly going to stay in Genesis right from the beginning. He knows that, and what does he do? He says it's unnatural. Now, he comes down, and I think he ties it in with the law of God, as what we read at the end yesterday. Not only those who do it, but those who approve of them doing it are worthy of death. Now, nature doesn't necessarily teach you that part. That's the judgment of God. Okay, But here's what I want to do. <clears throat> Let me start off with this. This was an article we've had up since 2015. Let me just address this, and then we're just going to jump right into the Scripture as far as what it lays out. But, but these are things that, that those who engage in sodomy and lesbianism, listen, if you are a person out there and you're, and you're listening to me, please just listen. You can be mad at me if you want to. That's fine. That's okay. Um, but listen to what I'm telling you, because what I'm, the things I'm going to share with you are things that are demonstrable. They're facts and evidence. They really are. Now, you may not have been told about it, but some of you may have experienced this. And I understand. Listen, when you get into that lifestyle, I've talked to people who've been in it. I've talked to people who've come out of it. There is a shame that has been associated. Even though they're out there in the streets and they're private, there is a certain shame to that. This is why it used, it used to be said of these people who engage in this behavior, this is not what they're born with. They're, it's not like their skin color they're born with or their, their characteristics of their body. That, that's not what this is. This is a choice they make. It is a behavior they engage in, and it comes right out of here, right out of their mind, right out of their heart. Okay, But if you'll listen to what I'm going to tell you and what I'm going to point you to, there is a way out. There really is. Okay, So <clears throat> lest somebody, again, people have said, I am... Uh, bloodthirsty. I want to kill sodomites. That's not it at all. I want them to repent. I want them to know the same Christ that I know. I want them to be in the kingdom with me. I want them to know Jesus Christ as king and to follow him. I don't want them to die. Look, the, the Bible is very clear. God does not take pleasure in the death of the wicked. He doesn't. Is he just in it? Is he glorified in it? Yep, because that's part of his character. It's just like I look at these people who've taken these shots. Some of them have even been mocking. And you know what? I can't bring myself to just mock them back in that sense. 
I actually am heartbroken that these people are losing their lives for nothing. They're losing it over a lie. Nevertheless, let's start with this. This is from Brian Fisher. This is from 2015. Homosexuality is not, is not a victimless crime. By the way, I was reading about victimless crimes uh, last night, the bankruptcy of the United States back in 1933, which has led to all this, these, these pretended laws governing the bankruptcy. I mean, you're literally having the guys you elect in Washington are literally trustees over your bankruptcy is what they are. This is why you don't have lawful money. This is why you have little pieces of paper that the Federal Reserve says don't mean anything. Okay, But this is not a, a victimless crime. <clears throat> We're told it's consensual sex. No, it's sodomy. <laughs> it's sodomy. It's not sex. Sexual intercourse happens between a man and a woman who are married. Now, does fornication happen between a man and a woman? Sure. But even fornication is against the law. Why? Because God said so. You shall not commit adultery. That's a commandment too. So what's the positive side of that? You shall marry. That does not mean get a marriage license. It means you're going to covenant with this woman, men, that you're going to take, and women, you're going to covet with this man, that you're only give their body that your body belongs to them as the apostle paul says in corinthians your body belongs to them and their body belongs to you okay so <clears throat> brian writes it's a myth and it's a dangerous one that it's just consensual sex between adults and nobody gets hurt it's a dangerous one at that people get hurt sometimes permanently and sometimes fatally by sex outside god's plan of fidelity in man woman uh, marriage that's true that's exactly true and that happens among heterosexuals too, by the way. Why? Because God's not going to be mocked. If you're going to go in and you're going to do these kinds of things, there's a consequence that comes to them. Things have gotten so bad in Ohio, he writes at the time, by the transmission of STDs, that's sexually transmitted diseases, through homosexual and heterosexual promiscuity. By the way, if you have little ears, you may not want to hear them. I should have said this at the first don't let them listen to it. I, I don't want, I'm not looking to be Bill Clinton and make you have a conversation with your kids that you're, that they're not ready for and you're not ready to give yet. Okay. So if you got little ears, it's not like I'm going to be going into things, but there are some stuff here that, that may be, uh, yeah, let's just keep those ears innocent as we can. Okay. All right. <clears throat> By the transmission of SCDs through homosexual and heterosexual promiscuity. That's true. Which lawmakers, I, I hate that term. I just hate it. I know God, uh, Jesus called the Pharisees of the day gods, and he, he talked about them being used in the Old Testament. That's, how, that's what they were called because they were giving the law. They were making law. I just hate the term. There's one lawgiver. They're planning to allow doctors to do something that would otherwise land them in prison, prescribe medications for people they do not know, have never met, and have never examined. <clears throat> now, he points back at the time, this was from the Associated Press on May the 25th, 2015. A bill in Ohio seeks to expand access to treatment for cert certain sexually transmitted diseases by allowing doctors to prescribe medication to their patients' partners without first examining them. In other words, if the partner's got it, or the guy coming in has it, whatever it is, this SCD, the, the doctor's automatically going to prescribe a sorcery for 
the person that they were engaged in that got whatever they got. So it goes on and it says, licensed providers in Ohio must, and that's another issue, licensed, licensed, licensed by who? Licensed by the state. And I want, let me just, let me just, I don't want to go too far off the beaten path, but I can tell you this. When you get licenses, you're saying, you're, you're asking for the approval of the state so the state can then come in and take your livelihood. They really can. That's what they're doing. Does the state take any responsibility for the license they give you? Nope, they sure don't. I learned this when I was doing fire systems on, the, uh, on, on properties that were being built. And we would have to go in and we would have, we would, you know, uh, run our wiring, hook up our horn strobes, uh, set up pull stations, uh, monitor the, um, the sprinkler system that was put in. And usually what would happen was the fire, the fire marshal comes out, the uh, contractor would pay him to come out and do the inspection because if you don't pass the inspection, you can't move any, you can't get a, uh, forget what they call it, a certificate of occupancy, I think is what it is. You can't get that unless you pass the inspection, okay? And all this stuff has to be working properly and this, that, and the other. Well, let me ask you something. Once that's done, you've paid them money. The guy comes out there and tests everything that you've already tested, and you, you know it works and everything. Uh, he signs that little piece of paper, and you can get a certificate of occup occupancy, okay? But... Is the fire marshal ever held accountable should the building burn down and something doesn't work? Maybe your system doesn't call in. Maybe it didn't monitor the sprinkler system being turned off. Or maybe the heads on the sprinkler system didn't go off. No, he's not accountable for that. Is the state accountable for that? Nope. Guess who's accountable for it? The guys who put in the fire system and the guys who put in the sprinkler system. They're still accountable for it. But the state made money and justified jobs like a fire inspector because you don't know any better. They do it with all kinds of stuff. Got a driver's license? That's an approval from the state to travel? You've gotten that thing? Uh, if you have a wreck driving down the road, is the state accountable for that? Is the DMV accountable for that? No, you are. So the obvious question is, why are they doing it? One is to control you. The other is to make money off you. You understand? It's a pretty simple concept. Anyway, that's a little bit off the site. Licensed providers in Ohio must first examine patients before prescribing them antibiotics. But legislation recently passed by the House would create a limited exception for partners of patients who have been diagnosed with chlamydia, trichomonid something, or gonorrhea, in an effort to reduce cases of the infections. Ohio's rate of reported gonorrhea and chlamydia cases is higher than the national average, with most cases occurring among those ages 15 to 24. That's the Associated Press. Well, Brian goes on a little further. And here's what he points out. The CDC, the infamous CDC. And again, I'm glad he goes ahead and uses their numbers. They, they're the ones that put them out. According to CDC, sexually transmitted diseases have been increasing among 
sodomites and bisexual men. They're the, but they're the same thing. They're engaged, if they're bisexual, they are engaged in sodomy. Okay. With recent increases in syphilis being documented across the country, this is among the men being with men. In 2012, men who, who engaged in sodomy, they didn't engage in sexual intercourse. I think there's something very special about sexual intercourse. Okay, that happens with male and female genitalia, not male sex organs and excretory organs, if you will. Men who have sex with men accounted for 75% of primary and secondary syphilis cases in the United States. This 75% figure is staggering when we remember that homosexuals comprise less than 2% of the population. The CDC warns of any number of STDs homosexuals are at risk of contracting from their sexual partners. Here's the list. Having an STD like gonorrhea makes it easier to get HIV. So it's important to get tested to protect your health and the health of your partner. CDC recommends sexually active gay and bisexual men test for, and again, gay, bisexual is really sodomites. That's what they are. They should test for HIV, syphilis, hepatitis B, hepatitis C, chlamydia and gonorrhea of the rectum, chlamydia and gonorrhea of the penis, Gonorrhea of the throat. See, uh, these things are, they're shameful to even talk about. I'm blushing right now from even saying these things, okay? I don't like talking about this stuff, but if they're going to stick it in our face, we have to push back and show the truth of what's going on. We have to take back the narrative. We have to do that. We have to quit courting them, and we have to take back the narrative. One of the major additional problems in the homosexual community is that homosexuals are much less likely than heterosexuals to report their infected status, whether it's HIV or something else, to their sexual partners. Yeah. Why? Because they're driven by their own lusts. Listen, friends, if you're engaged in this kind of behavior, God does not love you that way. People are lying to you about that. He does not love you. He has turned you over to it. He's shut the door and said, all right, have it your way. You're on your own, buddy. And he's turned you over to vile affections. That's what we read in Romans 1. And as a result, you no longer... I, was, I saw a, a brief... I wish I'd have pulled it back up. I probably could do it. Um, let me see here. There is, um, I'm not going to be able to pull it up. There, there were two guys who created the whole Matrix thing, franchise, okay? Wachowski or something like that. And anyway, both of them went to, to try to present themselves as women. Somebody had an interview with one of them. Now, it's a sad excuse for trying to even present yourself as a woman, but what the guy sat there and said was, I, got, I became this way because, listen to what he said, I watched tranny porn. And he said, something unlocked in my mind, and I'm going to tell you, it's Romans 1, it's God giving them over to their own lusts, giving them a reprobate mind, and he said, 
it was, it unlocked something in my mind that made me want to be desirable. Look, as a guy, he, <laughs> I don't know if a woman could find him attractive or not, but even as trying to present himself as a woman, it's even more hideous. But you understand he's telling you exactly what Romans 1 said. And you could find this. Again, I, I think it was Wachowski, 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 I don't know. But there's a small video, and he, he tells it. It doesn't take long to watch it. It's like a minute or a minute and a half. And that's what he says. That's what had happened to him, that these things had happened. And instead of them having a natural desire for a woman, they have it for other men. That's God giving you over to yourself and to your own lust and to your own sins. And what does James tell us about that? I mean, we don't need the devil. We don't need demons to tempt us. We got our own flesh to do that. We have, I mean, we don't need that. James says, and then when our lust ties it, when it, when it hooks us in, what does it do? It brings forth sin. And what does sin do when it's fullborn? It brings forth death. And listen to me, if you're a person engaged in this behavior and you're hearing this broadcast, there is hope for you. I will give you the hope at the end. But the law of God, we read it yesterday from Leviticus, is it, it's so clear. If you're engaged in this kind of behavior, you're worthy of death. Not a smack on the hand, not a fine, not a jail. You're worthy of death. And the Creator said that. That was His law. Or that is His law, not was. It is His, his law. All right, so he says, Brian goes on and he says, in a 2006 study published in the journal AIDS Behavior, um, AIDS Behavior is the, uh, the group here, studied the behaviors of a representative sample of HIV-positive homosexuals, heterosexual men, and women. The results are shocking. 60%, 60%. Of homosexual, this is in 2000. I don't know when this, this oh, 2006. This is when this study was done. HIV, uh, excuse me, 60% of homosexual men failed to report their serostatus to all partners, whether or not they had some kind of sexually transmitted disease or what's called that, compared to 34% of heterosexual men. And 27% of women. Now, again, notice this is not just singling out sodomites. It's dealing with those who are heterosexual men and women. Why? Because of promiscuity. Okay? Not obeying what God said. What's the command? Shall not commit adultery. We're going to get into that in just a moment because that's what we're going to take the rest of the show with. Then Brian asked, how long will it be before legislation is proposed to allow doctors to prescribe medication, not just for a patient's partners, but for the partners of those partners? Hmm. Then what about the partners of the partners of those partners? If we are going to facilitate homosexual promiscuity, what logical basis is there to stop just uh, with just one circle of sexual partners? Once we start down this road, there is no place to stop. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. But what we should do is stop it where it is. When these people are engaging in this, they are committing a felony. They are committing an abomination. That's what God calls it. I didn't come up with the word. God did. And God says that they should be put to death. That's a serious thing, guys. I didn't say it. God said it. 
your creator, the one who made you and knows what's best for you and knows how to guard you and warns you and tells you. And then you say, nope, God, I'll do it on my own. And then you come into this kind of thing. And this is just, look, this is just the, the shell of it. The inside is much dirtier and much nastier than a mere sexually transmitted disease. The people have been turned over to a reprobate mind. They really have. Now, what they want to do, and I'm going to play this one thing here. I played it the other day um, in which Bradley tells us about what these guys had put forth and what is in our congressional record. Now, we, we read from the 45 communists, um, the, the planks of the Communist Party to take over America. And this was back in the 60s. It was entered into the congressional record. And among those was to make things like sodomy normal. They were to normalize it and promiscuity and pornography and all of this other. They were to make it normal. Used to not be normal. Used to not be, you know, you'd hear about it every day in the news. or You never heard about it. But that's what it was. This is Bradley's uh, video on the homosexual manifesto, and you guys out there uh, who are who are listening on the radio, yes, it is a uh, it is a um, a video, but uh, you're going to hear the the audio on it as well. And uh, let me bring this up right quick. Here we go. This is the Gay Manifesto by Michael Swift, first published in Gay Community News. February 15th through the 21st in 1987. It is also reprinted in the congressional record. This is what it states. We shall sodomize your sons, emblems of your feeble masculinity, of your shallow dreams and vulgar lies. We shall seduce them in your schools, in your dormitories, in your gymnasiums, in your locker rooms, in your sports arenas, in your seminaries, in your youth groups, in your movie theater bathrooms, in your army bunkhouses, in your truck stops, in all your male clubs, in your house of Congress, whenever men are with men together, your sons shall become our minions and do our biddings. They will be recast into our image. All laws banning homosexual activity will be revoked Instead, legislation shall be passed which engenders love between men. All homosexuals stand together as brothers. We shall triumph only when we present a common face to the vicious heterosexual enemy. If you dare to cry faggot, it states, fairy queer at us, we will stab you in your cowardly hearts and defile your dead puny bodies. We will unmask the powerful homosexuals who masquerade as heterosexuals. You will be shocked and frightened when you find that your presidents and their sons, your industrialists, your senators, your mayors, your generals, your athletes, your film stars, your television personalities, your civic leaders, your priests, are not the safe, familiar heterosexual figures you assume them to be. We are everywhere. We have infiltrated your ranks. Be careful when you speak of homosexuals because we are always among you. We may be sitting across the desk from you. We may be sleeping in the same bed with you. All churches who condemn us will be closed. Our only gods are handsome young men. For us, too much is not enough. All males who insist on remaining stupidly heterosexual 
will be tried in homosexual courts of justice and will become invisible men. We shall rewrite history, history filled and debased with your heterosexual lies and distortions. We shall be victorious because we are filled with the ferocious bitterness of the oppressed who have been forced to play seemingly bit parts in your dumb heterosexual shows throughout the age. We too are capable of firing guns and manning the barricades of the ultimate revolution. Tremble, hetero swine, when we appear before you without our masks. Have you heard or read this article before? Why not? All right, so you get the idea of what's going on. Now, this was in the congressional record. It's showing you who they are. This guy, Michael Swift, now they, when, they, when it was put forth, they said, oh, this was satire. I want to ask you something, friends. We are, how many years removed from here? 50 years or more, right, from this, this manifesto. Does it sound like satire now? I was watching um, a guy, you guys would probably know him. I can't remember his name, but he's a, um, he's a, a tele, I guess he's got a podcast or something. He's a preacher. And uh, he was talking about the fact that George W. Bush was penetrated by more than 100 men as part of his, or his bringing in to Yale's skull and bones. That was part of the thing. He and his father both, that they were to lie down in a casket and have other men urinate on them or masturbate and... What happens at the end of masturbation on them? These were men sitting in the White House that Christians and conservatives and constitutionalists put up with and even cheered on. They cheered them on. Oh, they're better than the Democrats. Leading your sons and daughters to death over in Afghanistan, Iraq, lying to you about 9-11, lying to you about how good the economy was while they're spending you into debt. Lying to you about just about everything and then infringing on your rights with the Patriot Act and all this other stuff. That was going on with them. Remember when, when he read, when Bradley read this? Your presidents and their sons. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't, Michael Swift wasn't lying. He's telling you what they're about. Now, I'm not saying every single person who engages in this is about that. Some of them literally want to be left alone and they don't get out in public with it. And that's, you're over there and nobody knows, then nobody can do anything about it. But these people who are coming out and they're politically active, and then you have people like Joe Biden, Ted Cruz, Donald Trump, uh, and there's a whole host of them. That I just picked out a couple of guys, okay? There's a whole host of them supporting this stuff. The whole log cabin Republican group is nothing but about promoting sodomy, lesbianism, and the transgressors' delusions. That's all, they, that's all they're about. And Richard Grinnell is leading that up in the Republican Party. So if you have your cart hooked up to that horse, I want to ask you something. What does the Bible say about that? Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelief. But Tim, some of these claim that they're, they love Christ. What is, the, what, what is the fruit of it? It's like Richard Grinnell saying, I'm an imperfect follower of Christ. 
No, you're not. You're not even an imperfect follower of Christ. You're a reprobate. You are somebody who Christ has turned over to your own lusts. And you need to repent. And so does your boyfriend. You need to repent. Don't take his name in vain, saying you're an imperfect follower of Christ. You're not. You're not. So let's start here. And you're going to think, well, why are we starting here? Because this has nothing to do with that. Let's go to Matthew chapter 19, because I want to make a point about this. And then we're going to go to the, the, the beginning. Okay. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. And the Pharisees also came unto him, uh, you know, tempting him. I'll bet the Pharisees, I'll bet there were some Pharisees who were engaged in some sodomy, and, um, and they were speaking out against it, but while they were secretly engaged in it, while they were probably the same thing to do with their adulteries, which is what he's confronting here. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? In other words, can I divorce my wife for any cause? I mean, that's what we've been told. And he answered and said unto them, Notice what Jesus' words are. Have ye not read? These are the teachers of the law. They're the lawyers of the day. The same lawyers that got a bunch of judgments pronounced on them in Matthew 23. Matthew 23. And he asked them, have you not read? You're supposed to be teachers of the law. I mean, it's almost embarrassing for them. It is embarrassing for them for this one who's not been schooled in their schools to come and ask them, have you not read? That he which made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave. So, so get what he's saying. <laughs> For most of you guys who listen to the show, it's pretty plain, right? I, I get it. I'm not, I'm not, th this is not necessarily directed at those who are born again, who understand these truths. This is not directed at you, but it, hopefully it is some things that you can use with those you come in contact with who haven't been. First, he said, God made a male and female. Now, he made a male and female for a reason. Why? So they pro could procreate. After he makes them, you notice the commands in Genesis, be fruitful and multiply. You cannot do that with two men. You cannot do that with two women. You just can't. It's impossible. And yes, I understand there are some some men who are infer, uh, uh, they, they don't have the ability or the sperm count, whatever the thing is, uh, they don't have that. The woman, it can be barren. We see that in the Old Testament as well. But nevertheless, they were made male and female so they could fulfill the commands of God to the glory of God. And that was to have children, you know, fill the earth, take dominion over it. That's why he made, a, that's why he made us that way, male and female. We're made to be together. I mean, do I have to spell it out? How many of you guys have worked on a puzzle? Uh, this is not hard. Certain pieces fit certain ways, don't they? Men, men and women have certain pieces that fit together. Men and men don't. Men, women and women don't have, they don't have them. Okay. I'm spelling it out for you. For those, if you got to get down to that kind of level, there it is. Right. So he says this. Jesus goes on, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother. Okay, father and mother. What is that tied to? Male and female. The male and female that gave birth to the man. I mean, this is pretty simple. This is basic kindergarten stuff. Okay? 
shall leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. So in other words, he's going to leave his family, the ones that produced him, and he's going to go start a new family with a woman, his wife. And they twain or they two shall be one flesh. I mean, haven't you read this stuff, guys? Wherefore, there are no more twain or two, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. So Jesus says, did you guys not read from the beginning? It's one man, one woman. They have children. Those children uh, make a covenant with uh, the member of the opposite sex from another family, and then they're joined together, and then they're going to have children. Their children are going to make covenants with members of of the opposite sex from other families, and it goes on and on and on to you, you fill the earth and you take dominion over it. It's like I've said, the one with the most children wins. Let me change that. The one with the most children who are diligently taught the law of God wins. Okay. And they say unto him, why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorce and to put her away? And he saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, you understand that? Jesus already told him it wasn't this way from the beginning. You weren't supposed to be divorcing your wife. You're supposed to stay with her. Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But, but from the beginning, it was not so. Wasn't so. He did it because you were hard-hearted. And I'll add, there's a protection for the woman, too. The woman has no choice in this. She couldn't, she could, at that time, she couldn't go and get a divorce. It was the husband who was getting the divorce. And he had to write that divorce and send her away. Well, once she's come out from under her father, where does she have to go? Nowhere. And in that culture, who wants to take on a woman who's been married and divorced? So Jesus says this, And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication. Now, the word fornication is, is an interesting word. It's where we get our word pornography. It's the Greek word perneo. And in that, it encompasses any sexual activity that's outside of marriage. Namely, it's if you have sort of a, what we would say, a premarital relationship sexually. But it can include other things that would be encompassing this. So when when people who are ignorant of what the scriptures teach will say, well, Jesus never talked about homosexuality. He just said it right there. Jesus never talked about bestiality. He just said it right there. It's all contained in anything that is that is sexual immorality. In fact, some translations actually translate it that way, which is probably better, sexual immorality. And notice what it says, guys. I didn't write it. Whosoever shall put away his wife except for that reason. And Paul gives another reason. He talks about abandonment, uh, which can encompass some things of uh, we can talk about uh, when there's when there's violence against a spouse and things of this nature, uh, that there should be a protection there. And the church should the people of God should come alongside that person and not humiliate them, but should care for them and protect them. Okay, I'm just going to that's what it should be. But he says. If it's any other reason other than fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away or divorced, doth commit adultery too. 
So these guys sinned because uh, whatever, she burned the bagels, she got a zit on her face in the morning or her hair wasn't just right or whatever reason they wanted to do to get rid of their wives. What they were doing is they, it's the, it was going to be their natural inclination to go find another wife. And it's going to be the natural inclination of the woman who's put away to try to find a husband. And what's the result of that? You're committing adultery all over the place. That's what Jesus said. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. And he said, if you had just listened to about what things were from the beginning and his disciples say unto him, if the case of the man be so, what you said here with his wife, it is not good to marry. No, it's good to marry. It's good to marry. But Jesus said unto them, all men cannot receive this saying of what I'm telling you. Save they to whom it is given, for there are some eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb, and there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men, and there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. Paul was one of them. I mean, he didn't marry. He said he had a right to marry. When people say there's no rights in the Bible, well, Paul says, well, don't we have a right to take a wife just like Cephas and others? Yeah, we do. We have a right to do that. But we choose not to. Why? Because Paul wanted to give himself not to a family, to a wife and children, but he wanted to give himself to the work of the ministry that God had called him to. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. That's what Jesus says. Okay. All right. So how does this tie with things? Well, let's go back to Genesis. We have seen in Genesis uh, two and th one, two, and three, God brought Eve to Adam. He took her from Adam's side. He brought her to him. That's what Jesus is, is quoting there. Have you not read these things? Gave them a charge that they are to take dominion over the earth, that they are to uh, be fruitful and multiply. By the way, that, that command's never been re, uh, repealed. That is not part of the old covenant. Okay? That's not part of that. The old covenant is done. It's finished. That command has never been taken away. Never, ever, never, ever, never, ever, never. And yet the church acts like it has. You still have that command to take dominion and to be fruitful. You do. You can say you don't all you want to, but you still have that command. Now, when we come over, because these people have taken the rainbow, these, these sodomites, uh, with their agenda, they have taken the rainbow and they have made it, they've distorted it. I understand it's missing colors. You guys don't have to go through all the things. But they basically have taken the symbol that God has given as a promise of his covenant not to flood the world again ever with water. They've taken that and they've made it their symbol of their pride. They've thumbed their nose at God by taking a symbol. He's, he promised never to destroy the world again with water and they've thumbed it at his nose and claimed it's love. It's love. God and you'll see some of them. God loves us the way we are. You'll even see them mocking him in professed Christian garb. I say professed Christian garb. It's like nuns or priests or something like that. And all of that is a part of a system that's apostate. Okay? It's not true Christianity. Genesis chapter 6. What do we read there? It came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them. That the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and that they took themselves wise of all that they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. 
yet his days shall be 120 years. In other words, God gives him a countdown. Kind of like on, on Daniel chapter 9, he gives him a countdown as to when the Messiah is going to come. Now he's going to give him a, an account, uh, a countdown for when the flood's going to come. And it says there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, after there were giants in the earth, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children of them, the same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart, whose heart? Man's heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy both. I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. And then he talks about Noah finding grace in the eyes of the Lord. And there, from there on, he goes on and he, he expounds on how he tells Mo, uh, Noah there's a flood coming. You're going to have to build this big boat. And you got to picture Noah. He's out in the middle of an area that it's not rained. At least we don't have any account of rain. What we have is an account of dew that comes up out of the ground. And you see when the flood happens, if you read the context there and you continue on in 6, 7, and 8, one of the things you see is it's not just rain comes down from heaven. The windows of heaven are open and the waters above that are separated by the firmament come down on the earth, but also the fountains of the deep bust forth. And by the way, you can actually go. Um, we were doing it the other day because we were looking for something. And I don't know what it was. We went on the Google Earth map thing, right? And you can go over there in the middle of the Atlantic. You can see this division. And many people argue that that is where the fountains of the deep broke forth. They broke forth in the water under the ocean. You can see that line that runs down through it in the middle of the Atlantic. And that what it did was you would have the water immediately start to boil. Why? Because what's under the earth is being unleashed. So there's waters that are let go, but there's also this lava that comes forth too. So you have this heated water that comes up, creates great tsunamis. It shoots water. Some people say, you know, a thousand feet in the air or whatever the case may be. It's any, any amount over 10 feet is like really scary to me anyway. But it has all this water that comes up. It comes out with megatons of an explosion of water that engulfs the earth and it kills all that have the breath of life in them. Okay. Except for Noah and his family who are safely inside the ark. Yeah. I, I didn't. Oh, I stuffy again. What is the context? I read where the angels took human wives, but he won't accept it. Listen, brother. What does it say constantly? Men, 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 men. What is the context? Genealogies. Genealogies. That's what Genesis means. Wasn't going to get into this. I've already done a show on it. People want to say giants came from angels and men. That's not what it says. It said there were giants already in the earth before the sons of God that they claimed came into men were angels. They were already there. 
God never mentions angels in the passage. He looks at the wickedness of man. Look at it. He saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And I'm not going to get off on all this stuff, but the every imagination and thoughts of, of his heart, whose heart? Men. And it repented the Lord that he made man. Doesn't say he repented him that he made angels who would do wicked things like this. And it grieved his heart. I will destroy. Does it say angels? No, it says man. The context, the context makes all the difference in the world. Both man and beast and creeping thing and fowls of the air. Angels are never mentioned here. It doesn't say that. Quit going outside of the Bible. And I hear people say the book of Enoch. I don't even want to get into this. You guys stay on the topic here. I don't want to get into it because it's clear anybody reading this would see the judgment fell upon men. Over and over in the context. And when you come up, I had a guy write me and say, well, Noah was not of the line of Seth, and this isn't talking about the line of Seth. Well, that's just nonsense. Genesis 5, the context lays it out for us. This is, I mean, oh my goodness. This is Genesis 5. Let me just hit this real quick. And Seth lived 105 years and begat Enos. And Seth lived after he begat Enos 807 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. This is the son that replaced Cain, right? Or not Cain, Abel, excuse me. And then if you follow, all, this is all the lineage. This is the line, the genealogical line of Seth. And I had a person tell me, well, nobody in the line of Seth was on the ark. Nobody in the line of Seth was saved. Doesn't say that. Nonsense. And Lamech begat, this is verse 28 of Genesis 5, and Lamech lived in 180 and two years and begat a son. And he called his name Noah, saying, this same shall comfort us concerning our work and toll of our hands because of the ground which the Lord had cursed. And Lamech lived after he begat Noah 590 and five years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Lamech were 770 and seven years. And he died. And Noah, the last in the line, who comes right up in the context of Genesis 6, Noah was 500 years old and Noah begat Sham, Ham, and Japheth. And what do we see? The next thing we see is Genesis chapter 6, which... Chapter 6 isn't there, neither are these other things. So all I'm pointing to is the context and who God is dealing with. And nowhere in the context does God say he's dealing with angels. I, sorry I got off on the, on that little thing. I just happened to see the the um, the comment. And it wasn't a blast at you. It's I'm hoping to correct you for, for seeing what's in the scripture. Bradley, be with you three. If you want to continue with us, sonsofcelebritymedia.com, beforeitsnews.com. We'll be back with you in the morning. Lord willing, Kate Shimrani, 8 a.m. Talk to you then. All right. want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio or Missouri Liberty Radio uh, at this point on sonsoflibertymedia.com. All right. So not going to get caught up in a bunch of that. I just have to make that point. I didn't really even want to go there, but I, I happened to look down and see that. So I'm not. Um, okay. Okay. Stuffy. You're denying what scripture is, brother. Let me just take it and show it to you since we're over here. Uh, if you're of the opinion that I've seen these heretics, and they are heretics, I've, I've called them out on some sites, that they say, well, 
The real sin of Eve was she was having sex with Satan, the serpent. Nonsense. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare who? Who was that? Who was that? He wasn't Adam's son, Stuffy. What does the scripture say? And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. She thinks this is the promise that God gave in Genesis chapter 3 when he said there's going to be one, the seed of the woman is going to come. She thinks this is him, but it's not. I'm telling you, there are people out there that try to tell us, well, the sin of Eve was sexual. If you just read the scripture, it's right there. It's right there. And if you want to tell me who you think Cain's son is, and it wasn't Adam, well, the scripture refutes what you say. And you need to conform and repent, and you need to conform to the scriptures, not you try to make the scriptures conform to you. Okay? This is pretty simple stuff. This is not hard to understand. It's very simple. So, without getting off on all this argument about these kinds of things, I just want to point out that that's a wrong kind of thinking, and it needs to be corrected. And I don't say that with animosity in my heart. I'm not angry with Stuffy. I'm just saying you need to hold to what Scripture says. Quit going outside. Why do? Let me ask a question. Why does every cult on the face of the earth that says they hold to the Bible, but we want the the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price. We want, uh, I don't even know what the one is that they have with Scientology or the, I forget the one, the keys of knowledge or something like that, or the keys to the scripture, something like that that Jehovah's Witness use. Why do they always want to add something to the word of God as though it's equal with the word of, or the Millerites or uh, Ellen G. White, who came out of the Millerites with the seven day, why do people want to add to the word of God? because they're not content with the Word of God. They're not content with it. I'm not saying don't read other books, <laughs> but they're not content with the Word of God. They're not content with what it says. So let's go on with this, and let's see. What was that rainbow about? Genesis chapter 9. So we read about the flood. Yes, he did say that, uh, Stuffy. And guess what? So were we. Ephesians chapter 2. We were of our father, the devil, too. Uh, obsolete man. Did I not just read there were giants in the land? Yeah, I never denied there were giants. So you're, you're, making a, you're not making an argument against me on that. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, now this is after the flood, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, and, f and by the way, the phone lines are open. If you want to call in and you want to make that an issue, 803-619-9855. Call in. I'll take your call. I have no problem. The phone, the phone lines have been open. People take these shots, but they don't want to come and, and talk to me one-on-one. -on -one. I don't know why. They know I'll talk to them. If we have a respectful conversation, if you try to talk over me, I'm going to warn you, and then I'm going to cut you off. We'll have, a, we'll have a dialogue. I'm happy about that. I think people will learn from that. That's great. Phone lines are open, 803-619-9855. They're only open for the live show, okay? But you're welcome to call in if you think that's an issue. Okay, 
Guess what? Moses was a, a thousand years older than that. So what? <laughs> so what? So there were giants in the land. So there are giants now. I see some of them on television in some of these sports like basketball. I don't run into guys that are seven, nearly eight foot tall every day. I don't run into those people. I don't run into nine foot people. I don't run into 10 foot people. I'm sure there's people all around the world that are like that. I've never denied giants. So that's nonsense. See how people get, see how they hear what they want to hear and then they present it as though they're attacking you. And everybody heard what I said. I read right out of Genesis 6, giants running the land. But again, this is getting off topic. And this is, this is why I tell people, some people can't focus enough on the context of the scriptures to even understand them. And that's why they distort them. And they sh go after the shiny things. Let me ask you, are giants attacking you now? Are giants eating your children? Is that what's going on? Or are men doing that? Are wicked men doing that? Let's quit following the endless genealogies and the fables of the Jews. And let's deal with the reality. Okay? Genesis 9. God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth. That wasn't there before the flood. And upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moveth upon the earth, and upon all the fishes of the sea, into your hand are they delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. And surely your blood of your lives will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require it. At the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. So, uh, Mr. Words, <laughs> you've got a little phrase that you've got going on. It says something like, well, if you can give it to me, I'll give it word for word about the death penalty, uh, because that that applies here. That does apply here. Okay. Okay, I'm waiting on him to give it to me because it's something about as long as there's a rainbow in the sky, the death penalty applies. And that's exactly right, because that's what it's tied to. Um, so I'm going to give him credit for saying that. Maybe somebody said it before him. I don't know, but I was going to give him credit for it. So anyway, he says, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. That's justice. That would be justice in that day. Remember, the law was not given specifically yet, but it would have been understood the natural order. But he's saying it now. For in the image of God made he man. And you be fruitful and multiply... Bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. And God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And I behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you. So this covenant that he's going to establish is not only with Noah, it's with all those who come after him. Okay? How, how can I say it's all those? You said, Tim, it reads with your seed after you. Well, who's left on the earth? It's just Noah and his seed, his sons and their wives and Noah's wife. That's it. Okay. That's all that's there. 
and with every living creature that is with you of the fowl. So he's making it not only with man, he's making it with the beasts, the birds, the fowl, the cattle, and of every beast of the earth with you from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. And I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow, that's the rainbow, that's what we call the rainbow, in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth, and it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I, It's not like God, God needs a remembrance. That's not what's going on. He's communicating to us, I think Calvin used it and it talked about baby language. I think that's the way he used it. God's talking to us in a way we can understand. Okay. I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you um, and every living creature of flesh. Oh, excuse me. I jumped down. I'm sorry. And it come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth, verse 14, that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. Verse 15, and I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. Doesn't matter what they are pig, a cow, a, a fish, a snake, whatever it is. And the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. Now, do we have floods today? Yeah, we have floods, but we don't have one that encompasses the entire earth. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it, that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, this is the token of the covenant, which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. Now, the Sodomites and those who support them would do well to read this passage and understand the implications of that rainbow. Yes, God is not going to destroy the earth with water again. But the fact that he destroyed it was the reason why he came back and made a covenant with the rainbow. You know, the, the statistics are one out of one people die. They leave this plant, they, this, they leave this earth. They leave their bodies behind. And they go somewhere. Where do they go? Those who are in Christ Jesus Go into the presence of the Lord in the fullness of his glory, of his grace, of his holiness, of all the characteristics of God to where they praise him, to where they worship him without anything distracting them. And the others are judged. They're already condemned. This is why we take the message of the gospel. It's so that they can escape that wrath that's coming on them. This is why we tell them about Jesus. This is why we tell them about his perfect life, his perfect death, his burial and resurrection according to the scriptures, and why we tell them that he was to ascend into heaven and take the throne of David, which he did, by the way. He's not waiting to do it. He did it. We've already covered this. Just as the scripture said, it's God's promise that he would do that. This is why we tell these people that. 
yet they fly their little flag and they don't want uh they don't want god to uh to deal with anything with it they they don't want him to to have a say now in genesis what you find is is from the the fall you'll find all kinds of sexual perversions you'll find judah and tamar father-in-law and his daughter-in-law uh who plays a harlot you'll find lot in the land of sodom which we're going to look at real quickly you'll find lot and his daughters yeah. You'll find all kinds of sexual perversion that comes on after the fall. But it wasn't that way in the beginning. It wasn't that way in the beginning. And the Bible never says it was right. It just documents and shows us that it happened. And some people have a hard time distinguishing between what God commands and what God shows about the wicked heart of man. Solomon had all these wives, all these concubines. Was that given as a command in the scripture? No, it wasn't. It's just presented that Solomon didn't follow the ways of the Lord here. Wisest man in the world, given wisdom by God himself, and yet foolish when it came to his marriages and his concubines and his sexual activity. Genesis chapter 9, or excuse me, 19. Remember, two angels had gone up with the Lord had met with Abram, had eaten with him, and now they go down to Sodom because they've got a job to do. That's why they came. Genesis 19, and there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned into him, and entered into his... See, Lot knew what was going on in the city. He wasn't telling them what was going on. He's just saying, hey, don't, don't stay out in the street. Don't stay out here. There's some vile men who will find you out here, and they're going to abuse you. They're going to rape you. I mean, that's what he's thinking in his mind. That's why he wants them coming to his house. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned into him and entered his house, and he made a feast. And did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out to us that we may know them. Now, I just read from Genesis chapter 4. Let me flip back over there. And Adam knew his Eve, his wife, and what happened as a result of that. And she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. What do you think was going on between Adam and Eve? I have people who have actually argued that verse 5 of Genesis 19, when they say, bring them out unto us that we may know them, that they'll say these sodomites, and that's why we call them sodomites. They come from Sodom. They were engaged in sodomy. Okay, That's where that whole term comes from. They want to tell me that what these guys were, they were just concerned about these guys. They didn't know who these guys were. They wanted to make sure they weren't spies, so they wanted to know who they were. That is just silly, foolish, and at worst, lying. Okay? 
and at worst, lying. You stick with what the text says, not what it doesn't say. And Lot went out, verse 6, at the door unto them, and shut the door after him, and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Wait a minute. If these guys wanted to know whether or not they were spies or something, what's wicked about that? Isn't there anything good about that? You know, we want to protect our families here. We want to protect our kids. You know, we don't want somebody coming in here uh, who we don't know, and then they cause us a bunch of havoc. That's not what's going on. Lot says, I pray you, do not so wickedly. And then to show exactly what they were engaged in. They were not engaged in finding out about spies. That's not what it was about. Lot knew exactly what they were about. He had been living among them. And the Bible says his righteous soul was vexed. It was troubled. It was stirred up by the behavior of these men. Behold now, verse 8, I have two daughters which have not known, that's the same word they're using, we may know them, they have not known man, they're virgins. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do ye to them as is good in your all. Oh, this is a... I'm going to tell you, although righteous, uh, although Lot is called righteous, I'm not going to call him unrighteous because God says he's righteous. He's doing some wicked stuff himself. I'm going to bring two daughters out who have not known a man. They're virgins. They're my daughters. I just can't. I can't even grasp it. I really can't. I'll bring them out to you, and you do to them as is good. Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. You do good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, Stand back. And they said again, This one fellow, Lot, came in to sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. He's going to judge. Are you judging me? Now, if they lived in our day, and, the, and some of these people do live in our day, what do they do? <laughs> judge not lest you be judged. That wasn't said just yet. This is what they would have said today. <laughs> You're coming in here and you want to judge me? Only God, you know, you hear Tupac and all these other people saying, only God can judge me. Yep, you're right, bro. He's going to judge you. In fact, you're already under his condemnation. This is why Jesus came into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save it. It was already condemned because of their sin. He wants to be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them. In other words, they were giving him a threat. If you don't like what we're going to do to these angels, what we have intended in our hearts to do to them, wait till we get a hold of you, buddy. These are sexual rape threats is what they are. That's what they are. And they press sore upon the man even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men, that's the angels who came down, put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut to the door. And they smote the men, that's the Sodomites, 
that were at the door of the house with a blindness, both small and great. Now, you would think these guys would have got the picture. Wait, we can't see anything. What just happened? Who turned out the lights? We need to go solve this problem right quick. Nope. All it did was make it harder to find a door for them. They were driven by their lusts. And that's what the sodomites and the lesbians and the transgressors of transdelusionism and all of the other non-binary and other foolish reprobate stuff that these people are spewing and living, that is what they're, that's what they're concerned with too. Their own lusts. Determining what's good in their eyes and not what is good in the eyes of God and what is evil in the eyes of God. That's what they're doing. And then they're taking God's banner of his covenant with Noah and the rest of the earth, and they're saying, this is our banner. See, God isn't going to judge us anymore. That's what they're saying. Come on, this isn't hard to understand. Their pride month is a middle finger to the God of heaven saying, you won't tell us what's right and wrong. We'll figure it out ourselves, and we'll enjoy ourselves, and we'll do what we want. And they give him the middle finger, and they probably give him a lot of cuss words alongside of it, too. Because that's what's in their heart to do, just like these guys. But look at their end. Verse 12. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides, son-in-law, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. For we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. By the way, notice he's using the capital Lord. That's Yahweh. That's God's name. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters and said, Up, get you out of this place. For the Lord will destroy the city, but he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons in the law. Now, i got to tell you something. This makes me wonder, though Lot is said to be right, it makes me wonder whether or not he taught his son-in-laws. And there's other things, what comes later with his daughter, it makes me wonder if he taught his daughters. Because he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. They wouldn't get up. They weren't going to get out of bed. <laughs> you're crazy, old man. You, you and this talk of God, you're living in the midst of sodomites. You're living in the midst of them. If they'd have known what was going on, you were giving, our you were giving your daughters to these guys? What are you talking about? God's going to destroy it? Well, he's probably going to destroy you too because you're doing this. That's probably what they were thinking. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest they be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon him, that's the angels, and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord Yahweh being merciful unto them, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. It came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee. Neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain. Oh, that sounds very reminiscent of Matthew 24, doesn't it? Jesus said, When you see the army su uh, surrounding Jerusalem, know its desolation is near. Don't, you know, don't go down and, and pack a bag. Don't you know, go back from the field into the house and all this. Get out of there and go to the mountains. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, 
Oh, not so, my lord. Well, wait a minute. I got, I got stuff here. I got, you know, there's stuff. I, I gotta, I gotta take care of stuff here. Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain lest some evil take me and I die. He, he doesn't get that they're getting him out of the way of God's wrath, and they're going. God's going to take care of him, but he still he doesn't fully trust God in this. Behold now, verse 20, This city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said unto them, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city, for the which thou hast spoken. Hast thee escaped thither? For I cannot do anything till thou be come thither. In other words, the angels' hands are restrained from the judgment they're going to bring upon that city until Lot gets his fanny out of the city. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar, and the sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. So it was the middle of the night. All this stuff's happening. Lot gets out of the city. He enters into Zoar, and the Lord, Yahweh, the one true living God, reigned upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from Yahweh out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back. Remember, they were told not to do that. She looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before Yahweh. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain, and beheld, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. It came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham, and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow, when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. And then we read the story there of his daughters, not thinking they're going to have a man, how short-sighted is that? <laughs> There's other cities around, right? There's other people around. They get their father drunk. They engage him in sexual intercourse. And they have children as a result of that. Tim, see, that shows he's, a, he's an unrighteous man. So well, God doesn't save anybody but sinners, folks. <laughs> There's unrighteous, no, not one. There's none that seek after God, Romans 3. None. All God's presenting is Lot was not such a great guy, but he was righteous. Why was he righteous? Because God said he was righteous. He declared it, just like he did with Abraham. Look at Abraham's antics about his sister and about his handmaid and all this other stuff. Abraham was a sinner too. God saved him the same way he saves people today, by faith. By faith, believing God. This isn't hard to understand. So, I mean, I could go through Judges 19 and 20. We've done that before. Show you what the Sodomites were doing there. They, they, were, they were what people would call bisexual today because they actually took the woman. We can go through Romans 1 again, but I'm not. 
Here's the message I have. If you're a person engaged in sodomy, if you're a person engaged in lesbianism, if you're a person who is into these however many genders they've come up with, you've, you've, got, you've been given this reprobate mind. God has turned you over to that. Listen, friend, he's turned you over to that stuff. It is not a sign of his love. It's a sign of his judgment upon you. And there were a people in the New Testament days who had had that done, that he had turned them over to that stuff too, along with a whole host of other things. The church at Corinth is a perfect example. We went through 1 Corinthians 11. I would, if you're, if you're listening to this and you doubt me, go read 1 Corinthians 11. Paul's definitely de dealing with gender benders. They're not just j bending their genders, which they can't fully do. I mean, they can never go over and become another gender. They're gender bending. And in the process, they're, gender, they're, they're bending the authority. Read 1 Corinthians 1, uh, 11, beginning at verse 1 and following. That's what he's talking about. Men with long hair is not the length of your hair. It's the only time it's found in the New Testament. It's the idea that men do their hair up to look like a woman, to present themselves as a woman. Same thing with the shaved woman's head, which you'll never hear the independent fundamental preachers talk about. They only want to talk about men with long hair like their length. And they don't even get that right. But they never talk about the women in their church who cut their hair short. Never do it. Never do it. Why is that? because they don't stick to the context of what's going on. That was going on there. But in Corinth, listen to what was said. And this is the, listen, if you're engaged, if, you're, if you feel trapped in that lifestyle, that behavior that you're engaged in, I want you to listen to me because I got good news for you. I have real hope, not a possible hope. I've got real hope for you. Listen to me, okay? This comes from 1 Corinthians 6. Same Bible. Different author uh, as far as Paul here versus Moses that we're reading of in Genesis, but both of them have are being influenced by the Holy Spirit of God. So these are God's words, not just Paul's or Moses. They're God's words. Listen to what he says. Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law. This is the context that this is why I'm giving it. By the way, it goes along with some of the stuff we've been talking about with Dave Jose, which many of you will be happy to know will be on uh, Monday. You'll be on with us Monday. We're going to talk about the public and the private and some practical things there. But he says, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Paul, are you saying the saints are, are some kind of government that they can make the, yep, that's exactly what he's saying. This is exactly what I was talking about with the kingdom of God. The saints are to judge these things. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? I mean, can you not handle this within the body? Can you not handle it within the family? You, you really have to go out to these worldly courts that Caesar has set up? You, you guys can't handle this stuff between yourselves? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then you if if then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren, but brother goeth to law with brother, and that before, watch this, the unbelievers. Before the unbelievers. Goodness. 
you're showing unbelievers, if you claim to be a believer in Christ, you, you'll go to court amongst the unbelievers demonstrating you don't know how to do Matthew 18. You don't know how to go to your brother that you think has sinned against you and tell him and call him to repentance and be willing to embrace him if he repents or you're not willing to take the next step and go get your two or three witnesses and go and confront him. And you're not willing to take the next step to go and tell it to the church if he doesn't repent. You're not willing to do that. You're willing to just immediately run out there to the world of unbelievers in their corrupted systems and take your brother out there to sue him. And he says it's to your shame. But brother goeth to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you, because ye go to law one with another. Why do ye not rather take wrong? I mean, why not be wronged rather than take it out to the unbelievers? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? It's better that you do that and just keep it in the family. Doesn't mean you have to doesn't mean you have to forgive them if they're not repentant. That's not what he's saying. He's just saying, why would you take it out here? You guys can handle it among yourselves. You're in the kingdom of God. You're the government of God here. Why will you not handle it within the body? Nay, you do wrong and defraud that your brethren and that your brethren. And then he says this. See, that's the context. And then he says this. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. That's sodomites. That's really what that is. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. He tells them, do not be deceived. If this is the practice of your life, you are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. I don't care if you tell me, well, I'm still in the flesh. Okay, it says, if you're a fornicator, if you're continuing to do that, if that is the practice of sin in your life, you're not getting in the kingdom. You an idolater, is that the practice of your life? You're not getting in the kingdom. You don't have an inheritance that. Are you an adulterer? Is that the practice of your life? You're not entering the kingdom of God. Are you effeminate? He says, don't be deceived. You're not inheriting the kingdom of God. Are you a sodomite, an abuser of themselves with mankind? You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God practicing that. Are you a thief? Do you practice that? Is that what your life is known by? You will not inherit the kingdom of God. Are you covetous? Is that what defines your life? You will not inherit the kingdom of God. Are you a drunkard? Is that the practice of your life? You will not inherit the kingdom of God. Are you a reviler? Is that the practice of your life? You will not inherit the kingdom of God. Are you an extortioner? Is that the practice of your life? You will not inherit the kingdom of God. It can't be clear. It can't be clearer. Tim, that sounds pretty harsh. No, it's love. Love does not want you to be deceived. It wants to tell you the truth so that you can right the wrong, so that you can correct it, or so that it can be corrected. I don't think it's so much you, I think it's God. And so we preach his gospel, 
We hold up the law to show sinners their sin, to diagnose them as sinners. And I just did that. Paul just did that in some of the things he brings out because those are violations of the law. And then there's the gospel. Verse 11. And such were some of you. Every time I read this, I find myself in a lot of these, these things here. Such were some of you, Corinthian believers, Corinthian saints, even though you're babes, even though you're carnal, such were some of you, but you're washed. Hallelujah. You're wa you weren't washed in water and soap. You're washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus. He says, you're washed. You are sanctified. You've been set apart. You're holy now. But ye are justified. You've been made righteous just as Abraham was when he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He's telling the Corinthians this. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Oh, listen to me. You who engage in the behavior that is celebrated during the quote-unquote Pride Month, listen to me. There is a way out. There's a way out. He said he was the door. A door is for going in and coming out. There is a way out of the world that you live in, and there is a way into a new world whereby you can leave the shame behind. You can leave the degeneracy behind. You can leave the reprobate mind behind. But it only comes as you submit to the king and to his conditions of surrender. It is not asking Jesus in your heart. It's not praying a quote-unquote sinner's prayer. It is recognizing you have sinned against the God of heaven. And that's what led you, that's what led you into the life that you're living. And many of the people who do this, I got to say, I've met some of them. They're not happy people. They're not happy people at all. They're miserable. They may have happy moments, but they're miserable. Why? Because they're not obeying God. They're suffering under the curse. And if you're doing that, the Bible calls you to repent. Stop what you're doing. Stop sinning. And follow this one who gave himself for sinners to the point where he poured out his life for them. If you're unwilling for, to do that, then you have nothing more to look forward to but more misery, more shame, and judgment under the very one, the very king who gave his life for you. So I urge you today, stop buying into what the world is telling you, that this should, that your degeneracy and your, your, your wicked behavior should be exalted and praised and celebrated, even having a month into itself. No. Christians, we have to take the, the narrative back. Stop using the term gays. Start using the legitimate terms of the Bible, sodomites. That's what they are. That's what they're engaged in. And call them to repentance. There's only one lawgiver, folks. And it ain't us. It's Christ. And there's only one Savior when you've broken the law 
and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're all going to give an answer to him. So the question is, are you bowing your knee to Christ? Are you really doing that? I know a lot of people call him king, and they have, they got their churches, and they let sodomites and lesbians in there, and they distort the word of God, and they sometimes they don't even mention the word of God, and they pervert it to indulge themselves in their own lust. I have a question for those people. You're go- or I have a statement for those people. You're going to give an account for the words you say, too. Leading people astray. Second Peter chapter 2. You promised them liberty, but you yourself are a slave of corruption. Oh, how we need repentance. Father, grant us repentance as your people and grant those who are not your people repentance that they might be your people. Bradley, be with you at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com. And then, Lord willing, we're going to see you back here in the morning, 8 a.m. with Kate Shimrani. Talk to you then.